all of you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be in this place together. Um, I want to take a few moments and just uh, take you to one verse. We're going to pivot off of one verse in Isaiah. Isaiah is one of my favorite prophets of the Old Testament who spoke of things that would come 800 years later. He pointed across the prophetic peaks of time. Forty authors, 66 books that's been burned, banned, buried, but it always resurrects itself and beats, it, beats the pallbearers back to the house of God. It's uh, actually the Bible, Joseph Stalin was responsible for 80 million deaths during his Marxist um, government dictatorship, was asked one time why he wouldn't allow Bibles into the, into the Soviet Union. And he said, because it so radically changes people that they couldn't, they couldn't uh, keep them at bay. As a matter of fact, he, he, this is one of his quotes. <coughs> we don't let them, let them have an idea. Why would we let them have guns or the Bible? So <coughs> we see the, here an extreme case where you and I are so blessed to be able to have this living word. So I want to talk about Isaiah 26.3. And uh, very, very good verse, but I want to talk about how that our truth and reality comes from imagination. You know, a lot of religious circles don't want you to, they don't want you to use your imagination, but God gave us our imagination. Imagination is mentioned in the scriptures. It's in the Bible. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 26, in the Passion Translation, the King James, New King James says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. In the Passion Translation, it said, Perfect absolute peace surrounds that means watches over those whose imaginations are consumed with you. They confidently trust in you. Yes, trust in the Lord Yahweh forever and ever. For Yah, the Lord God, is your rock of ages. It's a solid place. It's a place of security. It's a place you... I've, I have uh, discovered this in my time, in my years here that he, you can depend on him. He, you can count on him. Uh, he's brought us through a lot. He brought you through. He brought you here tonight, I believe. I don't take this opportunity for granted because the Word of God is so powerful. It's so the heart of the Father. But when you look at that passage that says, in the, reading it from the, strong, from the King James, it says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now, that, that word mind, a better word is imagination. It comes from the Hebrew word yetzer. 
Yet, sir, is, it's, it's, has to do with, with framing up. It's where we build and frame up our realities. And I firmly believe our, our perspective about the Father is going to determine a lot about our journey. And, and, and it's going to determine a lot about what we know about ourselves. I don't know about you, but I, I wanted to know who I am and why I'm here. I wanted to know that because I think so many live their lives and never really discover who we are. And the only way to really know who you are is to know those three words, God is love. Because in that picture, in that knowing that God is love, we, we begin to say, you know, all of us are, are uh, subjects of genetics because we didn't choose the face that we have. We didn't pick the face. My aunts are, my dad passed away nine years ago, but my aunts tell me all the time when they see me, the older you get, the more you look like your dad. Genetics. That's the outward physical appearance. And I have a lot of his mannerisms. My wife even calls me Elner sometimes. That's my mom. And she, died, she died 20 in 06, and uh, she loved to have fun too. But you understand that there is another face. It's the face of the inner man. It's shapeless and formless when, when we come into the world. And that inner man is formed by the realities that we discover when we know that we're loved deeply by the Father. This, this inner man, you know, we all have been in those places where we, you know, people that want to be loved. Sometimes we, I remember when I was chasing her for four years. I remember, man, I was just about trying to be anything so she would love this, Right? I mean, the first time we were at a church bonfire, I had these checkered bell-bottom pants with two-inch heels. I had a swoop in my hairdo. It was parted in the middle. I had a red western shirt on with a yellow bandana tied around my neck. No, don't even get that picture in your head. It'll take you a while to get that out of your head. Because I wanted to, by appearance, if, she, if, if I dressed, you know, if I was, if I was uh, lit enough, she would love me, right? <laughs> Can I use that word? Is it okay? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I hear all that, but you understand if, if I was, if I was uh, out there enough, she would love me. But I discovered that that love can be temporary. It is really a place that we live on the edge if we try to wear a mask or try to be something that we're not because it, it risks rejection. We, we put ourselves at risk to be rejected. So the way to avoid that is just to be who He called you to be and, and to understand that He made us all different. And that's a re there's a reason for that. And He loves us with the same love. 
He loves you like you're the only one. Although you're not, and only God can do that. But I've discovered this, this amazing Father's love. And, and, and here's what this scripture means. It, you will keep Him. That word keep means to guard, to watch over Him. You will watch over those whose mind, whose imagination is stayed. That word stayed is a very important word. It means to frame up. It's like what we build a trellis for tomato plants. It holds up the vine, the trellis. It's like a cage around the tomatoes. when, When those tomatoes are indeterminate, I had to study that because I, I, I got a hold of determinant and indeterminate. Indeterminate means you don't know which way it's going to grow. It's going to grow all, every direction, so you have to build a cage around it. You can determine a, a, a tomato plant that's just going to grow straight up, and you have an idea how tall it's going to get. Sometimes you have to put a cage around those, but that's what that word stayed means. It means to frame up support, to give support. He is kept in perfect peace. Now, that, that's all, that's, that word perfect peace, it's like two shaloms in a row. That word means to be absolutely, completely perfect. To be secure, to be, to be in a place of where you know He's got this. And it doesn't mean life's going to be always going well, but even in your storms, He's going to be there to support you. I can vouch for that. I can witness to that. And you understand that if we believe Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord, to the called according to His purpose, then if we believe that, we're going we're gonna to have a confidence and our minds are going to be held up and supported. Our, our thoughts, imagination. Think about imagination for a minute. We all have imagination. It's important to know that God gave us an imagination. The root word is image. Because with an imagination, somebody imagined this building. They saw it in their mind before it was put together. You you didn't actually, you probably never even thought about having the faith that that chair would hold you up when you sat down in it. Because you were confident it would. That's the kind of confidence. It's, it's really a, a very elementary way to talk about the, the confidence that the Father wants us to have in Him. That you can rest. You can find a place of rest. I want to tell you, He's fascinated with you. This, the, the gospel's been a whole lot better than we heard it was. You know what I'm talking about? It's better. It's gooder than we thought. It's amazing because I believe you're the treasure that the merchant found in the field and for joy went and sold everything you had so he could have you. If you know that, you're going to be kept in perfect peace because you're going to be... Let me tell you, I lived, I eat, lived, breathed, and drank Deborah. Before we got married. I did. I couldn't get her off my mind. It was. And I'm still. I still. You know. I shared with you Sunday. How 
I married her for her looks. Just not the ones that she, she gives me lately. <laughs> it's okay. I'm going to stand over here. Because she did this. And, uh, but, but she's good. She's so, we have so much fun together. We do. Um, so when you think about the joy and the, the, the peace, he is kept in perfect peace. That's free from the rage of havoc and war of any kind. He is kept in perfect peace whose mind is supported by you, who puts his trust in you. Now, I want to take you over. When you think about imagination, there's a, there's a passage over in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Verse 18, where the scripture says, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, Jacob, remember Jacob's name was chained to Israel. Our fathers, the God of our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of your people and prepare their heart unto you. That word heart means mind. It means it means emotion. It has to do with uh, uh, what we think, our thoughts. Imagination is like thoughts. How many know that a thought is a, a word is an audible expression of an inaudible thought? When we speak, we reveal what's in our heart, in our mind. When we speak, now, we're all, it's fascinating. David said we're fearfully and wonderfully made. For instance, do you know you have a left and a right brain? You probably knew that. Here's what the definition of imagination is. The faculty or action of forming new ideas or images or concepts of external objects not present to the senses. Sounds like faith. The faculty or action of forming new ideas or images or concepts of external objects not present to the senses. The part of the mind that imagines things. I imagined being heard together forever. That was my thoughts. And it was four years before she ever said, I love you. But I'll never forget that night. I'll never forget that night. Because that started this 47-year journey together. Now 51, counting the years that. I chased her until she finally caught me. So I want, you to, I want you to think about how important imagination is. And I want to take you over to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm just going to talk about that a little bit. It's where the Philistines had come out against Israel Saul was the king, and they had a champion named Goliath. And it was probably Goliath's imagination that they were going to kill the Israelites and take their land. Because this happened when they came, and I've been to the Valley of Elah where this conflict took place. I've been there. They, grow, they were growing uh, paprika 
They're big old long red peppers. And my daughter-in-law's dad enticed me to take a bite off of the end of one of those red peppers. I like hot pepper. I, I make my own habanero, smoky habanero and ghost pepper sauce. But when I bit that thing, I was looking for water. But in that valley, it was close quarters for the Philistines and the Israelites. They were close quarters. And every day for six weeks, 40 days, Goliath would come out 84 times. He would come out and say, send me a man. Let's fight. Whoever wins gets their land, gets their stuff. Israel was in fear. They were in fear because they took on his imagination. Come on. They, they took on his words and they were terrified. The armies of God was terrified of the Philistines, especially the giant. He could have been nine feet tall. I've been to the graveyard of the Dolmens. The, the, the stones are huge where they buried the giants. It's up close to a, a mountain peak called Gamla which means camel's back. You could see the Sea of Galilee from that spot through a little pass. And there the griffin vultures are soaring above the mountain peak. But I've been to those, that graveyard where the, where the giants were buried. And you understand Goliath is a remnant of the ones that were in Canaan over in Numbers 13 where the Lord instructed Moses, send 12 spies over to spy out the land and see the land that's flowing with milk and honey. God didn't want them to see the giant. Oh, they knew they were there, but he didn't want that to be an, an obstacle. Ten of them came back and they said this, Joshua and Caleb. Caleb was another spirit, the Bible said. He said, let's go now. We're, we're well able. They're bred for us. But this is what the ten said. No, the, the people are too strong for us. We were grasshoppers in our sight. They saw themselves as grasshoppers, insects. Their imagination was tainted by the enemy. They saw themselves as grasshoppers and the Bible said, and they saw us as grasshoppers. You see that mentality? And Joshua and Caleb, had a, they said, let's go now. They're the ones probably who came back carrying the whole cluster of grapes on a staff between themselves. And I preached a message one time, have you seen them grapes? <laughs> but 10 of them came back and they imagined themselves to be grasshoppers. I believe that our imagination is powerful. The Lord gave us a, an imagination that it's a God-given blessing. When you begin to see things the way He sees them. And that's what He was telling them. I want you to go and see what I've given you. It was already theirs. But they said, 10 of them came back with an evil report. And 40 years later, Caleb is 85 years old. He's 40 years old when this happened. But their unbelief affected his being able to possess 
the promise and he had to hang with them for 45 years. In 85, he's standing there and he said, I'm just as able as I was when I was 40. Give me that mountain. Wow. Different imagination. Different kind of mindset. Now, the Philistines are, the, the Israelites probably have the same mentality. Every time that giant, with that man, he, he wore 126 pounds of armor. He was their champion. His spearhead weighed 50 pounds. <laughs> he even had an armor bearer that carried the shield. He was probably moving pretty slow with that much weight. And the Israelites are imagining themselves every time he would come out, they would, they would face him in battle and, and he would mock them and they would run. They would flee back to their tents. But one day Jesse told a 15 year, probably 15 years old, David, go out and see how your brothers are doing. They didn't have internet back then, so he wanted to send them out and see how the battle's going. He knew there was a skirmish going on in the valley of Elah between Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And so David takes chocolate chip cookies, not really chocolate chip cookies. It was, it could have been cookies, but it was loaves, these 10 loaves and these cheeses is what the Bible said. Take them to your brothers and see how they're doing. So David leaves his sheep with the keepers and he goes to the battle and he goes into the camp of Israel and about the time he gets there Goliath has come out and he hears him mocking Israel and David's heard it he said who is that uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God and his oldest brother said I know what you've come out to do you're a little bit uh you're there just to see what's going on. You're really... He's 15. He's a young lad. But he knows what it means to write the psalms. And to sing. And to keep watch over the sheep. And his brothers, he says the same thing to some other people. They tell him the same thing. And he says, it's just a simple question. Is there not a cause? And he says... He said, I'll, I'll take care of this. And Saul hears about what he's talking about, and he calls him in. And David says to Saul, he said, he said this, let me go out and fight this champion of theirs. He has a different imagination. His thoughts are different. He has no thoughts that would put him in a place where he thinks the enemy, this giant, could have any kind of effect on his life. As a matter of fact, he's not looking at the giant. He's looking at his, his father, God. He's got his eyes. His imagination is somewhere else. Not on that giant. He, he says to Saul, he said, he said I, I kept my father's sheep. Man, and the brothers mocked him. They said, what did you, who'd you leave those few sheep you keep with? We know what you've come out to do. And he says, he says I, was, I was watching over my sheep. And a lion came out. 
and I rescued my sheep and I took care of the lion. A bear came out to take my sheep and I took care of the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be no different. I'll take care of him. You understand the uh, imagination. He's reminiscing. David remembers the victory. He remembers what the the father brought him through and, and how he gave him the ability to understand. That's why... Isaiah writes, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed or supported or thoughts or imagination is held up by you. Now, when you think about imagination, our imagination is, is it's a very sacred thing to the Father. It's important. But you have to see yourself like he sees you. I want you to understand something about the Father's love. The inner man, it begins to take shape and the face is formed as we understand. And we, here's what Ephesians 4.23 says. Paul said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That word renew means to be to, to, to be like youth in your thinking. To be like a young... Come on, somebody. You understand, I might be 68 years on the outside, but I'm like two 33-year-olds and a toddler trapped in a 68-year-old body. I love to live life and enjoy the journey because I've discovered something, man. It's worth living. It's worth living. And, and, and when you think about David, he has experienced life to the full because he, he understands the heart of the Father. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's taken care of me. And he goes out and, and, and Saul says, go, but he gives him his armor first. Saul puts his armor on David, 15-year-old. David tries to walk and he said, I can't go with these. You can have them back. He takes the armor off David and David takes his staff, his stick. And this is not a revelation. This is what David did when the lion and the bear came. He picked up five smooth stones. Now, Goliath had a, had a helmet on that had a visor that there's just a little opening You, you understand the power of what was on David. David walks out and Goliath's out there taunting the Israel. And he turns around and sees that little 15-year-old ruddy boy. He said, am I a dog that you would send a child out here? I'll feed you to the birds. Listen to David. Yeah, you come to me with a spear and a sword. But I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. Today you're going down and all of your army is going to be fed to the birds. Notice something about David. He picks up these five smooth stones and the Bible said Goliath starts toward him and David runs toward Goliath. He ran. Goliath couldn't do that. He runs toward the giant. You know why? Because of his imagination, his thoughts. 
He has no fear because there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear has feeling of punishment. God don't want us to live there. Be, there's four kinds of people. And, and I know you've heard this over and over, but let me remind you. This is not all inclusive. There are four kinds of takers. And I have lived every one of these. There's the taker. That's a very self-centered person. A self-effort. Trying to do performance. And it's very empty. It's very frustrating. To, to be a taker. To be self-centered. Not other-centered. One thing about the covenant is. Father God gives himself totally, completely to us. That's amazing. Without reservation and without losing himself. He gives himself totally, completely to us. He loves us that much. Jesus said in John 17, down in the prayer somewhere, he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, he said Father, he said, in that day you will know. He tells the disciples in John 14, I'm sorry, he tells them in 14, he said, you'll know in that day. In what day? The day after resurrection. You're going to know that I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, and you are in me. Whoa. And I'm in you. David knew something. His imagination was not... Here's what Jesus said. Let me just make this statement. Our words have power too. Whatever we, we think... Somebody says, well, we speak before we think. No, your mind has to process that word. Left brain and right brain. When you think about the left brain and the right brain, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. The left brain thinks in words. Sequencing, linear thinking, mathematics, facts, logic. That's what will bring fear when you're facing a giant, if you're thinking with the left brain. Because it makes no sense. And it looks impossible. But the right brain, feelings, visualization, imagination, intuition, rhythm, holistic thinking, arts. All of the creativity. And somebody said, well, you're either left brain or right brain. I differ with you because... I believe both are engaged. I believe both sides. God created us that way. There's a big wad of nerves that can connect the right and the left brain. That's why he said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's amazing because uh, there are newer paths in our brain that certain lifestyles can change those neural paths and those Men who were running for 40 days, six weeks, the Goliath had come out because his imagination was to kill them all and take their land. And they believed that they would do it if they engaged in a fight. So, David takes a stone, one stone, He lets it go, and it's perfect shot. 
right in the gap. And the Bible said Goliath falls forward. That's total submission. Sinks into his forehead and he falls on his face. And David runs out there and he has no sword. So he takes Goliath's sword and cuts his head off. And all the Philistines take off running because they've discovered a young man whose imagination is not like the ones they've been taunting for 40 days. That his imagination have built his reality to the point where he was a champion. Come on, somebody. Not because of his own ability, but because of the, the father that was with him. The Lord who had, the Bible said he trusts in him. They, the scripture even says in Psalm, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So I want, I want to tell you this. I don't believe Saul or the peop, his brother, David's brothers or any of the soldiers believed that David would come back. I, I think they thought he was going to die. I believe that they thought this is, at least we're going to get through the impasse and something's going to happen. Saul's thinking. He's in his tent. And he's thinking, and maybe this will get us through the impasse if somebody dies, so we might as well send him. He wants to go. But you understand, when they saw what happened, all of a sudden, their mindset changed and they shouted and took out after the enemy and they slew the enemy. When you think about the thoughts, Matthew 12, Jesus said this in Matthew 12 about thoughts because they can really develop a reality. They can develop a, a, a truth, our own truth, whatever that truth, you know, if... if my truth may not be the right one. Because sometimes we tend to try to compartmentalize God. We put him in on the left side and try to analyze him. Try to make it logical. But what about if you allowed that God-given beautiful imagination intertwined with the truth that he is. Here's what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says. Without faith, it is impossible to please him for they that come to God must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I've had him answer prayers. I just thought I didn't have to pray it. Because David said, you see our thoughts are far off. It's amazing. It's amazing. And let me tell you, he wants, he desires to answer our prayers. He's not trying to keep anything from us. He wants to get it to us. But we have to really renew our mind. And, and here's what Jesus said in Matthew 12. He's been confronted with the Pharisees. They called him a, a devil. He's casting out devils by the prince of devils. And it's amazing um, what Jesus says. 
in Matthew 12, he talks about words. He, he speaks first to the Pharisees. He said, oh, generation of snakes. Vipers is what he calls them. How can you, being evil, speak good things? Your imagination. Over in, Ephes- in Genesis chapter 6, it says, God saw that the imagination of their heart was continually evil. And later, when Noah comes and builds an ark and, and offers a sacrifice to God after uh, everything is, is, is made after the flood and he comes out of the ark and the Bible said God smelled a sweet savor. He said, I'm not going to destroy the world anymore even though the imagination of man's heart is evil continually. He knows us, but he loves us. And the transformation comes to, into play when we know how much we're loved. And all of a sudden, I shake myself from this facade of trying to be fit in. And all of a sudden, I find myself in a place where, man, let me tell you something. It's like a, a baby. A mother doesn't stop loving her baby because it didn't mature as fast as she thought it would. It, a baby doesn't get really up frustrated because it's not growing as fast as it thought it would. Religion will make you feel like you haven't advanced far enough. I should be further along. No, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Wow. He knows exactly where you are. And he loves us too much to leave us. David is on a journey. He's on a a path of, of divine destiny. And so are we. So Jesus says, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. The heart, the mind. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word, non-productive word, useless word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by the words you shall be justified, by the words you shall be condemned. Why? Words come from the imagination. They come from our thoughts. They're all about, you've heard the saying, right? My thoughts, be careful about your thoughts because they become words. Words become actions. Actions become habits. Habits become character. And character creates destiny. Wow. God's still working on me. Right? I'll never forget the words. I've talked to some of the guys, and some of you know the story. A guy named Charlie Wade came in the shop one time when I was working with Dad after I left the railroad. He had an airplane seat. He said, do you you guys work on airplane seats? I said, yeah, we can fix it. And I had this imagination. I said, I wonder what it would be like to fly. So I said, I'm going to ask him when he comes back in, who gives lessons. He came to pick it up and I said, do you know somebody that gives flying lessons? Here's my thoughts. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't even know what to expect. I just know that sounds like an adventure and I'm a risk taker. I told you about the taker, right? There's the caretaker. That's the worrier. If I'd have been a worrier or anxious, I would have never taken that first flight. Then there's the undertaker. (laughs) The undertaker is the person who's living in the past, who's really held back. And sometimes the past can create an identity in your imagination to make you believe you're somebody God never intended for you to be. You with me? Does that make sense? So I don't want to be 
hanging out with the undertaker because I've been there. I know what it's like to, to live in the what if. Because I've discovered what it's like to live in the why not. And I'll never forget the silly question I asked the instructor when he called me. He's a friend of mine now. I said, how safe is it? I mean, come on, you think about those things. And he chuckled. <laughs> well, it's not 100%. <laughs> but you know what? I became a risk taker. Because I believed that it would be worth the risk. You know the, what the father did? He sent his son to invade humanity. To show us his heart. I know religion would say that Jesus came to save us from our sins. So one day we, when we die we can go to heaven. What about? I've been, I've been around for 50 years since I was saved. I'm not going to sit down and wait. All that time with nothing to do. Thinking I'm just sitting here waiting on Jesus to come. No, let me tell you what he came to do. He came to rescue us from the mindset of broken identity. David didn't have a broken identity because he'd spent time with the Father. He spent time with the Lord. Lord, this is one thing I seek after. That, that, the one thing I desire, and that's what I'm going to seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. At your in your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Wow. So the first time I went up, he said, you either like it or you don't. And I did. And I found out that most of my training was attitude. Learning how to recover from an unusual attitude. I thought about my own attitude. You can't get in that airplane and get 3,000 feet and have the wrong attitude. Nose up will get you in trouble. Nose down will take you to the ground. <laughs> Straight and level. What do you do? How do you recover? Well, he taught me how to do that. He took me up 3,000 feet. He said, okay, pull all the power off. I said, do what? He said, pull the choke out, the, the carb heat, and pull the power off. Pull the nose up till the nose drops. I said, Whoa. He said, keep full right rudder so we don't go into spin, right? I am not even going there with my imagination. Because the first time I did that, I don't remember, I think I left myself. <laughs> I might have had an out-of-body experience because I remember that nose going up and the alarm going off. It's meaning you're about to drop and the nose comes. And he said, okay, while we're dropping, he said, okay, give it full power and, and get it straight and level again. I'm here tonight, right? We did that dozens of times and I've recovered every time. You're here because the Lord has helped us recover 
from the unusual attitudes. Those moments when our imagination might take us down a path that, that would cause us to run in fear. But perfect love, knowing we're perfectly loved by one who is perfect, will make you a risk taker. Make you a risk taker. Wow, man. I want to have that holy imagination. I want to have the kind of imagination that glorifies God and, and gives me a picture. Here, here's what Hebrews, I'm, I'm going to pray in a moment, but Hebrews 12, 11 says, it begins by saying, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Sounds like imagination, right? I like to say it like this, faith, trusting in God, confidence in God, in the love He has for us, is the vision of things hoped for. And it's the evidence, things we don't see yet. But in our imagination, we know it's coming because He's faithful, right? So I want to tell you something. I just want to tell you something and encourage you that I believe your best days are ahead. Come on, somebody. If he's the author, the originator, and the finisher of our faith, that's out of my hands, right? What he started, he's not about to quit. He's going to complete it. And he's going to bring you into that place to know who we are. And to know, here's our purpose. Let me tell you what your purpose is. To be loved. By him. It's to be loved. Wow. No, it's your purpose is not to walk a chalk line and 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 try to get it all right because he knows we live in a broken world. But guess what? When you know how much you're loved, all of a sudden it changes your perspective. You begin to see everybody different. You begin to see the world different. You begin to see that there's. It's a, you see things like David. <laughs> Let me have him. Let me add him. <laughs> Fifteen year old. It's amazing. I want you to stand with me. We live in a world where. If you, if somebody betrays your trust, sometimes it takes time to be able to trust them again because of our humanity. But I discovered something. Nowhere in the Bible did it say that we're to trust people. Nowhere. It said we're to love People. Trust him. Whoa. Come on, somebody. My dad had a sign in his shop that said, <laughs> Price is subject to change depending on the attitude of the customer. <laughs> I loved it. It was it was amazing. And uh, he was that way. And a guy come in was going to make fun of him one time. He was sewing his seat cover and 
the guy walked up to him and said, I bet you could make a dress. Dad just looked up and said, what size do you wear? <laughs> he walked on out. <laughs> Imagination. Don't let the enemy or life or circumstances or people compromise your God-given imagination. See yourself the way he sees you. I believe he sees you as a champion. I believe he sees you as mesmerizing. Ever thought of that word? I think he's, I think he looks at you and he's fascinated. Because there's not another one like you on this planet. When, he made, when you were born, he broke the mold. <laughs> yeah. But we have something in common. We're loved by the same Father. Yes, Let me say this unconditionally. So we get caught up in this thought. Religion will tell you, well, he, he loves you if. Or he loves you because. Just get rid of those words. Those words are not in the Bible. He loves you, period. For God so loved the world. That's before I did anything. That's before I knew about anything. He loved me because of who he is. Whoa. I got goosebumps right now thinking about that. My grandson, I'm going to tell you this. Let me see. I don't want to hold you too long. I'm grateful. Is everybody okay? It's only nine after. My grandson, Kobe, is in ministry school up at Highlands. And I got a lot of preaching material. Some of you have heard it. When he was four years old, he had a little puppet. He called Fiona. And he would always go to the refrigerator and finish off my Diet Right Colas when we lived out at Walwood. And it was just me and him one day, and he walked over. I saw him get it out of the refrigerator, and he walked over. He's a character now. He, he's finished it off, and I'm studying. I'm sitting at the table, and I'm watching him, and he slams it down on the table and says, Thank you, Jesus. I said, Kobe, what are you thanking Jesus for? He looked at me real serious and said, Because he helped me put it down. This was a sobering moment when he's seven. He said, we come home from church. I really am down. That, that's a, I, I'm carrying a pretty good weight that day. Kobe sits down right up under me on the, while the ladies go get, they're living with us. My daughter and, and wife go get uh, lunch, Sunday lunch. And he's just looking at me. I can see him in my peripheral vision. Seven years old, looking up at me. And all of a sudden, he breaks and he says, Big Daddy? I say, yes, son. He said, it's hot in the desert. I said, where is this coming from? He said, yeah. He said, but you know God's in the desert. He said, but he never gets hot. 
I said, what, what are you saying, son? He said, he always makes a shade. <laughs> Come on. I, I began to imagine that seven-year-old's imagination and how the Lord used his imagination to bring me to a place where this is going to be okay. It's going to be okay because God's made a shade for me. He's made a shade for you. So I want to pray for you. And I know that we all have this need sometimes to be affirmed. But I want to tell you, your father sees you and he loves you. Jesus, he sent Jesus to redeem us from the curse. He sent Jesus to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He sent Jesus to justify us, to sanctify us, to give us abundant life, to, to give us mercy and to give us access into the Holy of Holies. So we're going to do that right now. If you're here and you say, Pastor, pray that God would help my, my imagination, that my thoughts would bring me into a place of adventure. That I begin to see Him in the way He wants me to see Him, and, and I see myself the way He sees me. Come on, for a long time, I didn't see myself like the Father saw me. I saw myself like everybody else. But I discovered something. I don't have anything to prove now. All I have to do is love people and make a difference in their life. And be a manifestation of my Father's heart toward me to them. Hope that makes sense. So if you say, Pastor, pray for my imagination, my thoughts, that they'll be adventurous again that I'll begin to see myself the way he sees me. And I'll walk with an expectation that it's going to be better days ahead for me. Slip up your hand. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we don't have to beg you for anything. All we have to do is ask. We thank you, Lord, that we see ourselves blessed. Lord, in our thoughts, our imagination. Help us that we might be kept in perfect peace as we stay or supported or framed up. And our reality is framed by what you say to us and what you, the way you love us, Father. We pray that you'll help us to walk with confidence. Lord, to fly straight and level. God, that we might be able to see new sights and see with a new perspective. And, and Lord, live life to the full. Because that's how you created us. That's how you see us. And Lord, we are your beloved. And I pray for all these that raise their hands and some that maybe were a little timid to raise their hands. I pray, Father, that you'll do that work in them that you so desire to do. We thank you, Father. Since you got good credit, we thank you in advance. And we give you praise because you do all things well. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. Amen.